Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I have returned to Marrakesh. I did stay the extra day and I did extend my trip in Morocco like I was debating last episode. Right after I finished recording, I went to the front desk and asked if I could stay over an extra night. And the guy kind of laughed and he was like, we're booked solid for the next two weeks. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. And I was like, I figured as much, but also figured I'd ask because you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I go up to the pool And I'd gone out late because I was recording the podcast in the morning. So I get like a couple hours of sun and I'm sitting there thinking like, this is so beautiful. I really wish I could do this for another day. Not the end of the world. I leave Morocco. I go back to Ghana. Ghana is my happy place. It's fine. But like, I really, really wish I had an extra day. I leave the pool, go up and watch the sunset. And I come back down to like the main level of the desert on my way back to my yurt. The manager comes running out after me. He's like, madame, madame, we had someone cancel. If you want to stay for an extra day, you can, and it's free. What? Yeah. They canceled within 24 hours, so it was already paid for. And I was like, all right, dope. I had a driver coming to pick me up that was going to take me to um, another part of Morocco. I asked him if he could push for a day. He was like, yeah, sure, same time. Yep, just push to a following day. And he was like, great. I was able to change my flight to get back to Ghana. I think it cost me $65. I'm actually staying for an extra two days because (laughs) it's Africa. They don't fly to Accra every day. I was supposed to leave yesterday, Thursday. I thought I could leave on Friday. I'm leaving tomorrow on Saturday. So that gives me two days to hang around in the Soho-y part of the city. Found a really cute hotel, five stars, for a very inexpensive rate in the cute part of town. And I was like, I'll take it. And a hotel hotel, not a Riyadh. I very much enjoy the country. I very much enjoy the culture. I need to sleep like an American right now. To look around my hotel room or to look out on the balcony and look at the hotel, you would never guess you were in Morocco. Like it looks like anything set out of America. And I was like, I just, I need that right now. After the yurt in Riyadh, there's been a lot of cultural experience. And we'll experience more culture when I leave my hotel room. 
So I left the desert yesterday and I hired a driver to take me through the Atlas Mountains, which if I had driven in would have been a disaster. It was basically hairpin turned through the mountains for, I don't know, a straight two hours, nearly two hours. I would have been miserable. I also don't think I could have driven back in the same day. My driver was whipping that shit and I was like, okay. But we went out to, I can't pronounce it. It starts with an O. The other name for it is Studio City. It's Marrakesh's version of Hollywood or Bollywood or Nollywood. They film a whole bunch of stuff. One of them being Gladiator and Gladiator 2. Denzel was out here for a while. He's the star of Gladiator 2. Prince of Persia was filmed out here. I made a list. Aladdin with Will Smith. Cleopatra, The Mummy. Game of Thrones. The Viking. Jesus. They have a whole bunch of stuff, but they have several movie studios. But I went to the biggest one, Atlas Studios. Huge. It rivals, if not exceeds, any studio that I went to in California. They just focus on settings that look like ancient Egypt or the Middle East or biblical times or ancient Rome. A whole bunch of stuff. But they really like ancient Egypt. There's this funny moment on set. So in our group is a Moroccan girl and her boyfriend who don't speak French or English. There is me, obviously an English speaker by myself. There is an older white man by himself. He's German, but he speaks fluent English. Then there is a couple, a tall, wide white man and his partner, who is a black guy. Their primary language is French. They live in France, which also means they speak decent English. The tour guide says he can do the tour in in the three different languages, no problem. So we get to this section of the tour that is ancient Rome, and it's set up for Cleopatra's entrance. So the tour guide tells the other woman, the woman who only speaks Arabic, to get into the throne chair and pretend to be Cleopatra. We're going to do like a mini film. And so she has to be pulled in this throne chair. So he needs two people to like pull her. So the big tall white guy, like one half of the French couple, he immediately volunteers to pull the throne chair. So the tour guide says, we need one more person. Somebody's got to be the other slave. Me and this black man, (laughs) we said two words to each other the whole tour. (laughs) The tour guide said, we need a slave. Me and the black dude whipped our heads around and found each other immediately. It was like, "Mm." (laughs) that is single-handedly my favorite part of traveling. Like, Art, culture, being immersed in a new world, treating life like it's a gigantic puzzle. I love all of that. The random moments of connection with other black people from around the globe. I didn't know that man understood English. (laughs) Until somebody casually suggested that he might need to play a slave. (laughs) The way we whipped around and locked eyes, it was so hilarious. That was single-handedly the best moment of the tour, possibly today. But I left there and I went to the Caspa. We pull up to this parking lot and my driver points. He says, the Casbah is through there. I can see it in the distance. Walk down past the shops as the driver suggested. Get to the land. And I can see the Casbah on the other side of a river. But there ain't no bridge. But I can see people like on the top walking around. And I can see people like walking up to it. And I was like, but how did they get over there? So I look further down the river and I see a woman taking off her shoes. And I was like, what's what's about to happen here? She takes off her shoes and she's hopping across the water. And I'm like, wait, what? 
So I go over to where she is to see what's happening. And I start to see other people coming from the other side, bopping across the water. Remember I told you the other day it rained in Morocco? I also told you essentially Morocco is like one giant desert. It rained the other day. It was a torrential downpour. It rained all day and through the night. It was probably like 16 hours of rain. I met this guy the next day. He worked at the hotel and we struck up a conversation. He was like, it's really inconvenient, but we needed this rain. It hasn't rained in four months. And he says that the government had stopped the hammams from working every day. They could only work every other day because hammams use so much water in the process of, of cleansing you. So I take this information in. I don't think anything about it. I don't, I don't see how it'll be useful to me going forward until I'm standing on the other side of this quote and unquote river. It rained cats and dogs out this way too. I'm three, hour, three and a half hours from Marrakesh. And this river, quote and unquote, that had been dry forever and a day is now like a flowing river again. And you got to cross it in order to get to the Casbah. So they've put down, not so close together, a series of large sandbags and rocks. And to get to the other side of the river without your feet getting wet, you have to hop from one sandbag or rock to another in a single file to get across. I was like, I do my best to prepare for my travel life. I really do. I, 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 I read all the articles. I do the research. I be on Pinterest. I be on the blogs. I read the reviews on TripAdvisor. I try to prepare for things the best way possible. Nothing I read told me I would have to be hopping on sandbags across a river to get to a Casbah. But that's what my black ass did. I did it going and I did it coming back. And thank God I didn't fall and bust my ass or get my shoes wet. Like I managed to stay on the sandbags. I get to the Casbah. This little boy approaches me and takes me all up and through the Casbah. And I'd asked him early on. I was like, what's the fee? And he was like 100, which is the equivalent of 10. And I was like, that's ridiculous. It was only $2 to get in. It really should have been the equivalent of $3 tops. I got him down to 70. And it ended up giving him the 100 anyway because he was just the cutest thing on feet. And he took me all up and through it. And he was like, here's what they did, Gladiator. I'm following him around. And it's like, I don't know, probably like 3 o'clock on a Thursday. And I asked him, I was like, why aren't you in school? Or did you go to school today? And he was like, no. And I was like, why not? Do you go to school? And he was like, yes. And I was like, why aren't you in school now? So he says he only goes like one to two days a week. I don't know what the culture is. I don't know what the public education system is. And I was like, I need you to go to school. I need you to stay in school, okay? He's one of the few black people I had seen in Morocco, period. But once I got to that side of the country, I started to see more black people. But I was just happy to see a little black boy. And he was so cute. I was like, I wonder if his whole hustle is targeting black women who come over here because he knows he can be like, you know, pay me some excessive, crazy amount of money because you look like you could be their son or their nephew. You know they're going to pay you that full shit. It's a good hustle. I know I got hustled and I don't even feel bad about it. He was just as cute as he could be and I was happy to give him the money. Clearly, because I fell into protective auntie mode. Are you in school? What grade are you in? <laughs> if you ever hear about me sponsoring a Moroccan child, it'll probably be that 13-year-old boy. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. What else is going on in the world? And I put it on every list since I've been back and I keep forgetting to say it. Congratulations to Jess Hilarious. She's officially on The Breakfast Club. I thought she had the job months ago. And I remember saying it on here, Jess Hilarious is the third member of The Breakfast Club. And people wrote in and they were like, no, she's not. That's not official. And I was like... Oops. (laughs) People tell me shit that I may not, and it didn't come from her, but she's pretty much been a go from what I knew from a long ways back. And I spoke a little too soon. And then I got called out on it and I was like, shit, like, should I clean it up? Should I say something? Like, I don't know. That makes it more obvious. Like, I'm just going to shut the fuck up. But congratulations to Jess Hilarious. From what I heard, the powers that be were really happy with her from way back. The details just needed to be sorted out. So good for her. I also saw that she announced she was pregnant. So another round of congratulations to her. 2024 seems to be a a good winning year for her. Also, her ex was on Shannon Sharp's show, Country Wayne. And I don't remember if Shannon specifically asked about her or he brought her up. I I don't know. He kept it mostly classy. And speaking about her, but he couldn't resist like taking this this jab. And I don't really follow either one of them super close. So I don't know if it was a justified jab or not. It just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. He was saying of her that people always ask her about him, but rarely do people ask him about her. And he not even implied, he almost flatly said that he's the most interesting thing about her and that she needs to get some new business or new work or, or something new and interesting so that people are focused on the new and interesting thing instead of still being focused on him because they ha- they haven't even been together in a while. And I was like, you arrogant fuck. <laughs> like, like between that and, and him talking about like, yeah, I got 10 kids by like at least five women, but I'm a catch because he makes a lot of money. And I was like, I don't, I'm not going to belabor the point. I said what I had to say in a previous episode. If you want to know exactly my thoughts on that, you can go back and listen to it. I'm happy for Jess Hilarious on The Breakfast Club because I think she does a good job. And I think she fits with Charlemagne and Envy. So I'm happy she got the job full stop, period. I'm also glad that she got this and is announcing this pregnancy with a new dude. 
just to shut Country Wayne the fuck up. <sighs> There's lots of good news about people getting new work. Michelle, what's her name? Bantu? Survival of the Thickest. It was on Netflix. The comedian. The girl from um, Before Survival of the Thickest. She's done a bunch of stuff, but she was on First Wives Club. That's when I first got introduced to her work. And I was like, she's hilarious. But she got picked up for season two on Netflix. I really enjoyed that series. So I'm really happy that she got a season two. So congratulations to her as well. I'm really excited about that because that was my show. First Wives Club was my show too. I think the pandemic messed that one up. We didn't talk about Monique. I said I wasn't going to mention Monique. After I talked about her last week, I think it was last Friday, we had a long conversation about Monique and her appearance on Shannon Sharp, which I didn't care for. I tried to temper my words as best that I could and still share my opinion. I don't understand what Monique is doing. I didn't understand her logic for, for half of what she said on Shannon Sharp's show. And I say half because I couldn't make it through the full interview. But she was talking about her grievances with Hollywood and people who've done her wrong and the accountability that she wanted from them. And I was like, and so you feel like continuously airing them out and calling them names and talking shit about them. Like she very specifically said, like that she wanted Tyler Perry to financially reimburse her for costing her so much money. And her way of getting him to do that is not a lawsuit, not even directly asking him, but to air out her grievances with him in public. After Monique does Club Shay Shay, she gets picked up for Cat Williams' tour. Opening night of the tour, she gets on stage and she says, I'm paraphrasing, I want to apologize to Oprah Winfrey Tyler, and Tyler Perry. I think she named somebody else. I don't feel like looking up the quote. She says, I want to apologize to them for saying suck my dick. I should have added, you can lick my balls too, or something like that. And I was like, you just sat on this show and told Shannon Sharp and his millions of viewers, but like you just sat here and complained. The people that you feel harmed you won't so much as have a conversation with you and tell these people that you so desperately want to acknowledge you, so desperately want to validate you or validate the harm that they've caused you at the very least. And your new and fresh words to them days after this interview airs are lick my balls. In what world do you think Tyler Perry or Oprah Winfrey even acknowledge you much more cut you any kind of check? Ma'am. Further, I didn't stay watching the interview to the point that Monique spoke about her relationship with her son. I wasn't even aware it happened until her son, Shalon, I didn't know his name, could not pick his face out of a lineup until two days ago. Now I know way too much about this young man and his relationship with his mother than I ever needed to know. Shalon obviously is being spoken of in this interview. He feels a way and he uploads a video response to the things that his mother spoke about. I'm not going into detail because it's pointless. This is a very deep, fucked up family matter. I've taken this exact stance on other public family beefs. I think with Master P and his son, I was like, I hope they can work it out, but please get this off the internet because there's nothing we can do for you. This situation, Monique and her son, it's so, it's so damn hurtful, especially for the son. Monique, by her account and his, wasn't the best mother. One thing she did do right by her son 
is get him a decent education and somebody instills some logic, some common sense and some basic act right in him. Just what the public has seen from Monique's responses to him, because it's been a back and forth. I think we're on like round three right now. Where like she speaks and then he speaks and then she speaks and then he speaks and then she speaks and then he speaks. I've seen at least three videos from him. I expect that she will respond because she doesn't know how to avoid an argument or a conflict. He responds to her and he takes notes first and foremost. And sometimes he writes out all of his thoughts and he just reads from his computer screen so that he doesn't get sidetracked in the conversation. And the result is... He comes across with intent. He comes across as thoughtful, even though he's not emotionally charged, even though he's very calm. I think that anybody in that situation would be hurt, would be disappointed. Monique looks like absolute trash right now. That's what I'm trying to avoid saying. And she's done this to herself. Monique speaks on her son. Her son clarifies what she said, offers a rebuttal. And he was like, she's not being truthful. And what she's saying. And like here is what actually happened. Monique and her husband, husband respond to the son. And I was like, you know, I understand it's your husband. He, he also is your manager. He's your other half. And y'all do this thing called life together. I get it. But he's in the way. And I can see this. I'm not a therapist. I'm still technically certified as a life coach. But I just think as anybody with common sense can see your husband is interfering in your relationship with your son. She appears to be using him as some kind of a buffer, which, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing when your husband knows what the fuck he's doing. Her husband seems to be causing her more conflict than she might have trying to navigate things on her own. Usually in a relationship, you find somebody who's big on conflict. The other person is usually big on resolution. Like that's kind of what makes it work. But these two just seem to like conflict together. And like, that's like their, I don't know, trauma bond, if you will. I don't know. This shit's weird. Monique and her husband respond to the son. I'm trying to keep track of all this shit. One of the responses is insinuating that the son has mental health issues and thusly is not credible. Which... What a horrible thing to insinuate about mental health. But also, and and the son said this in like one of his most recent responses. Yeah, I have some mental health issues. Like basically who doesn't? But also, if you believe honestly that I am having some sort of like mental health issue, implying that what he's saying is, you know, just the ranting of a man who's like out of his mind, right? Your response is to make a video and upload it on the internet, not to come check on me as a young child too, not to come check on me to make sure I'm not a danger to myself or a danger to my child since I'm over here so out of my mind that I'm just like ranting on the internet. Like you don't come check on me. You make another video because you're trying to like prove something to this audience of yours. What the fuck is wrong with you? He's not saying that. I'm saying that. What the fuck is wrong with you? She also released texts to counter her son's narrative of them not having any kind of relationship. The texts were from 2021. And I was like, ma'am, are you aware that we are three years into the future? So you had a relationship with him in 2021 where most of the texts, even the ones that she released, it seems he's trying to call her and she's unavailable and is going to call him back. She sends him regular texts 
Mommy was thinking about you. I hope you have a good day. And everyone sort of has different relationships with their parents. But as grown people, when you're texting with your parents, there should be like some some banter, some silliness, maybe some, you know, some practical check-in things about the house or the the health of a sibling or another parent or or something like that. But there should be like some 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 juice, some meat, some details, not just a, a long series of essentially how are you? 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 The substance that Monique thought it was appropriate to screenshot and share with the world I believe her son was talking about he was having some financial issues. I think it was a credit issue or something like that. And he was talking about how he was working on that and pulling and getting himself together. You thought that was appropriate to release to the world? You didn't think that maybe that part of the conversation should have been blacked out? Like I understand like you're trying to prove a point. And this is part of the problem that you're trying to be right. But you also understand like the person you're battling publicly is your child. You can't win with your family when you're fighting to be right. You can't. And you can't do it definitely when you're trying to do it to impress an audience. Monique is trying to prove to her viewers that she was a halfway decent mother and that she had a relationship with her son. And in the process of doing it, she's antagonizing her son and straining their already strained relationship even further. If I knew my mama had it in her to screenshot my texts and release them on the internet without my permission, especially with personal details about my life, if my mother and I were in a spat, and this is in public or private, and tried to weaponize my mental health against me, we wouldn't speak. I know there are many Monique supporters, and, and, I, and I want her to have support. I don't want her to feel abandoned in the world because that's not a good feeling when you don't feel like you have people in your corner. But I just need to point out She's at war with countless celebrities. You don't have a relationship with your family, like the mother and father who birthed you. And then there's also this strange relationship with your oldest child. Who do you get along with other than this husband? And for now, Cat Williams. The common denominator is you, boo, you and this husband. And your character being so low, really, that you will publicly battle back and forth with your child, that you won't even have enough sense to get off the internet, that you will weaponize your child's mental health against them in public, that you will release text messages from your child to prove that you are right to a bunch of strangers. You're fucked up. You're fucked up. There's no way around it. This back and forth of her son really got me looking at her crazy. The irony or perhaps or perhaps hypocrisy of all of this is that you want, specifically from Tyler and Oprah, you want so much for them. You want them to be accountable. You want them to financially reimburse you. You want them to go the extra mile for you. One that you are not willing to go to for your own child. She looks terrible to me right now. Terrible. My thoughts and prayers are with her son. Like as a child, and I don't mean child as an age. I mean, I just like, you know, got a mama and a daddy and I'm somebody's child. Like to be at war like that with your parents is a really horrific, terrible feeling. You're literally talking about your creator. Parents hold, and I don't think they always realize it, so much importance and so much clout in their children's lives.
you want them to be pleased with you, even though the shit really shouldn't matter. But you want their approval. You want them to be pleased. You want them to be proud. Like, they matter. Even the fucked up ones, they matter. And just as a child, without having that support system or to be at war with someone who is supposed to be your support system, who's supposed to be your biggest advocate or cheerleader or check you, but in love. Just to not have that is just, I feel really bad for him. Also, pointing out that, you know, your child has mental health issues. I'm like, you don't think none of that is attributable to you, ma'am? None of it? Usher got married. Remember I was asking on last episode, because I was recording on Monday night. I think they announced that he was officially married on Tuesday. The media knew that there was a marriage license, but there was no official confirmation of the wedding by the time I was done recording. But he is officially married to his long-term girlfriend. They have two children together. They got married right after the Super Bowl. So the pictures that you see from Usher at his after party, he's got on this big white fur and she's got on a white dress. Like that's, that's what they went and got married in. His Super Bowl party was also his wedding reception. So congratulations to the couple. I've intentionally not referred to them as the happy couple because married on Sunday, today's Friday, yesterday, People Magazine announced that they had an exclusive with Usher Raymond. One of my friends actually wrote the article, Janine Rubenstein. Hi, bae. Hi, boom. She listens to the podcast. Um, that's the homie from way, way, way back. Remember I used to always get those shout outs on Tamron Hall for Ratchet and Respectable? It's from her. Like I said, the homie. Mm-hmm. Usher does this interview with people. And I talked to Janine. It's about more than just what's being reported. But the big story, not just in the blogs, but, but on the People website, as an exclusive, is Usher talking about Chili. This interview was done last week. I would like to reiterate, he got married on Sunday. He goes into much detail, I mean multiple quotes, about his relationship with Chili. And mind you, they broke up in 2004. We're, we're literally discussing a relationship from 20 years ago and maybe three wives ago? I'm reading this on the YBF. Shout out to Natasha. He says of Chili, if I am to be honest, I was her number one fan and she was my superstar. He's, he's alluding to the lyrics of, of his song. He says when he was a kid, he said he had Chili's poster on his wall and he said, she's so beautiful. One day I'm going to meet her. He also says um, at the time they were dating, he says, I was a young man and she had very specific rules that didn't work for me. He says, we were missing each other. I really did want to have a different type of relationship where she was there with me and she couldn't be. She didn't believe that I was actually in love with her as much as I was. He goes on to say, I wanted to marry her. I proposed, we've never heard this before. I proposed and she told me no. I went through a great deal of pain after that not trusting women or wanting to open up. He also admits, I hurt her too, but the situation broke my heart. Sir, sir. Usually, Usher's antics, he's, he's uh, what is it called? Serenading all the women at his shows. He's taking off his shirt. He's He's gyrating. He's, he's got this like flirtatious undertone 
all the time. And it's like, oh, Usher, you bad boy, you silly boy, you crazy boy. Like, oh, Usher, like you're just, oh, Usher. You know, we, we lovingly refer to him as, as a menace, as a rascal. This interview, for me, crosses from menace and rascal to like, fuck boy, nigga, nigga. At the time you did this interview, he very much knew he was about to get married. If nothing else, you've been with your new wife. They got two kids together at least three, four years. Why are you giving in-depth interviews about Chili? Now, as someone who also interviews people for a living, you can ask what you want to ask. I've had tons of people be like, I'm not answering that. Or that's like ancient history. Why are we talking about that? Move me to another subject, which I respect. My job is to ask the questions. I don't have a gun to anybody's head to force them to answer. This is what you're talking about? The week before you get married, you thought it was a good idea to get married on Sunday and then have this interview come out on Thursday. You've been married four days, sir. And there's an interview circulating with at least 500 words of it about your ex-girlfriend who you proposed to and wouldn't marry you. The other part. If I recall, Confessions, I mean, as in the title song, like the details of that weren't about Usher and Chili, that I got somebody else pregnant and I got to figure out how to tell my girlfriend, and then she leaves me. That was, I think, about Jermaine Dupree or one of the other writers in the room. But it's pretty much common knowledge, I would say, that Usher cheated on Chili. I don't know if she's ever said it directly, but she's alluded to it strongly. Let me back that up. I'm reading an article from InStyle. March 22nd, 2022, the title is Usher and Chili Taught Me a Crucial Lesson About Standards. The writer alludes to this 2013 interview with Us Weekly where Chili says that Usher never cheated on her and that he was her first real love. And then she notes, quote, this recollection contradicts some of her previous statements about their breakup. She refers to a 2004 interview. This is right after the breakup happened. This was on The Burt Show on Atlanta's Q100. She said she would never take Usher back. She said, quote, someone cheat one time. You don't wait around to see if they're going to do it again. She refers to another interview Chili did. This was 2010. It was an episode of VH1's Behind the Music. She, she quotes Chili as saying she, quote, kept hearing about it. Then I went to him and I asked him and he admitted it. You know, I just I felt like a fool. I felt like everybody knew something and I didn't. And I'm just now finding out. Time heals a lot of shit. Things that you used to be mad about, like in 2004, you may be less mad about 15, 20 years later. But what she said right after they broke up was he cheated. If I'm to understand his breakdown of events, and even he says, like, I hurt her too. You cheated on the woman. She knew you cheated on her. You asked her to marry you. And you're confused why she said no. And then the woman that you cheated on, who had the good sense not to sign up for a life of that shit. You are in a great deal of pain and not trusting women and not wanting to open up because the woman that you cheated on didn't marry you. Nigga. Usher, don't go out like this, son. Don't, 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 don't go out like this. He's been having such an amazing run really up until, you know what? I'm going to include the Super Bowl. Cause again, like it didn't to me exceed expectations. 
but it wasn't bad. He didn't embarrass himself. Like he did fine. Only the legends get to do the Super Bowl. His sales are through the roof. He's got sponsors out the ass. I just saw a new ad from Remy today. I saw that he's releasing his own line of skating or of roller skates. He keeps adding new tour dates. I would say something like 80% of the tour dates are completely sold out already. I don't know what the album sales are, but like he's in a winning season. I don't think this is going to derail anything, but I was like, bruh, like keep the goodwill going. Keep the goodwill going. These types of interviews, save this shit. You just married somebody else on Sunday. I don't want to hear nothing else about Chili ever again. As long as you married to this lady. Which, we speaking free or we speaking free? Are we speaking free? Even before I knew he was married, I thought he was just, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl. There was a video of him and what I believed at the time to be his girlfriend, mother, his children at the Super Bowl after party. Usher has on this big white fur. She's got on this white dress. I knew a marriage license had been applied for because that story was everywhere. And she's all in his face. Like she's like kissing on him. She's very cuddly and snuggly and essentially how you would expect a bride to be at a wedding reception. Like she loves the man that she's married. A wedding ceremony is a big romantic thing. She's like really into him. She's like all in his face, like kissing on him. He looks bored as fuck. Like, I mean, he gives her, I think, like a little peck of, of on the cheek, like just, just acknowledging her presence. But his energy is real. I could have had a V8. He's got his dark glasses on. He's sipping his drink. He ain't a bit more interested in that lady. And I'm like, maybe he was high out of his fucking mind. Like, that's possible too. Like, he could have been in another dimension. Just looking at the optics of that, and I was like, she really gonna marry this man? He don't look a bit of interested in her. And then now you're out here doing long interviews about your ex from 20 years ago? I won't infer anything further into their relationship. I won't take a video snippet of 10 seconds of their life to reflect the whole thing. I won't even take the interview he did with people. I'm, I'm sure when the actual full interview drops, I don't think it's on the website. I think it's only available in the magazine. My, mom, my mom's going to have to like take pictures of the article and send it to me. I'm sure there's more to the interview than Chili. I would like the PR team and then Usher himself because the PR team can't you know, control the client. I just wish that Usher would be a little more mindful of his optics. He's been doing really good for a while. We're, we're full throttle. We're free today, right? His primarily black female fan base has largely been silent about him marrying a non-black woman. I think because he's had two black wives previously and every woman that he's been attached to prior to this woman has been black. We see this as kind of an, an anomaly. But sir, you went ahead and went in so far as to marry the non-black girl and you're going to act a fool on the non-black girl out the gate? What are you doing, bruh? What are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Even if you don't know what you're doing, you got enough people around you that can, that can present it like you do. Let's package everything up a little better. Like the, the bow is loose. The bow is loose. Tighten the bow, bruh. Tighten the bow. Oh, when you talk about Beyonce, there's many angles to this. I guess it ties in with Usher a little bit. On Super Bowl Sunday, shortly after Usher performed the halftime show, Beyonce, or Verizon, I should say, because they bought the airspace, Verizon dropped a commercial featuring Beyonce. They are rumored to have paid upwards of 30 million American USD dollars in dineros for Beyonce to appear in the Super Bowl commercial. It's a cute commercial. The theme is Beyonce is trying to figure out how to break the Verizon network. Like she can break the internet, but can she break Verizon? So she tries like all these different things 
she's got like a manager or a handler and she keeps asking him like did I break it and he's like nope didn't break it she's just like well what can I do can possibly break it the answer is to announce part two of renaissance so another album essentially that drops in March country music album and to also drop two singles from the new album of course this is like a major media event as it is anytime Beyonce announces new music some folks were upset with Bay. The Super Bowl was Usher's moment and you shitted on him by announcing this major project and you didn't allow him to, you know, bask in his Super Bowl shine, which I think is complete bullshit. Usher performed the halftime show at the Super Bowl. It was not his day. It's, I saw somebody compare it to getting engaged at your sister's wedding or something like that. I don't remember who the commentator was that made that comparison. It's one of the big ones. I don't agree. If Usher had put on the kind of show that I saw him do in Vegas or I saw him do in Paris, it would have been impossible for Beyonce to eclipse him. If he had given us a Super Bowl performance that was on par with Prince doing Purple Rain or if it was something like, you know, Diana Ross leaving in a helicopter or he had put on a performance that was as strong as, as much as I hate Dr. Dre, that was as strong as what Dre did, Beyonce would not have been able to eclipse him. I also think that Beyonce has worked incredibly hard, Beyonce and her marketing team and the Beehive, but also Beyonce and the marketing team cultivating the Beehive. I think they've worked extremely hard to put Beyonce in a place where she can essentially drop sneak albums or sneak singles and it sends everyone into a frenzy. Usher has been in the game the same amount of time as Beyonce, actually longer. He's had the opportunity to cultivate that kind of fan base to engage in the kind of marketing that Beyonce has. It's not like he lacks the talent. I think Beyonce and Usher are very much on par with each other, but it's not Beyonce's fault that she's the bigger star. And then to be like, well, she could have waited. I mean, she could have, but she also has a product line for her new hair care. She also has that dropping later this month. And then she has this new album coming out in March. Ma'am has got to start marketing this. What better day than the Super Bowl while everyone's sitting in front of a screen of some sort? You've got this big Verizon commercial that's airing to, I said last week, the numbers for the Super Bowl were 130. I saw a new calculation Jesse Collins Entertainment did the production. They're estimating the numbers were over 200 million. You've got this Verizon commercial that just got marketed to 200 million people. Why wouldn't you announce your album that day? I think if she was a man, we absolutely would not be having this conversation. Like if Chris Brown did it, men are expected to be competitive. Men are expected to want to be number one. Men are expected to want that top spot. For some reason, we don't expect Beyonce to want that as well. And I think in fairness, people were like, you know, it's Beyonce. She could have dropped it any day. She could have dropped it the following Sunday. She could have just dropped the album with no fanfare. I mean, she's done it before and it all would have been fine. I mean, she could. But she wanted a big ass moment too. And she got one. I don't see the problem. Because I guarantee if it was like Beyonce and Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift wouldn't have thought twice about it. And if it was Taylor Swift performing and Beyonce did it, white people would have felt a way about it. Black people wouldn't have cared. If Beyonce had dropped it on Dr. Dre, people wouldn't have cared. It's just because it's Usher and we have warm and fuzzy feelings about Usher. It's business. It's not feelings. Also, like, do you think Usher didn't know? 
Like that question has kept coming up. Like, do you think Usher didn't know? I think he probably did, but there's nothing he could do about it. I mean, Beyonce's husband, this is Usher's version of events. Jay-Z called Usher and was like, hey, like, you want to do the Super Bowl? I would guess they probably did tell him that, by the way, like, B is dropping whatever, or B is doing an announcement. I mean, what is he going to do? I'm not going to do the Super Bowl then? Yeah. He should have put on a show that couldn't be eclipsed. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. And also, she dropped the announcement about this album and she dropped these two singles. It's not like we're still not discussing Usher. We just had a whole discussion about Usher being on the cover of People and then Usher having these brand deals and then Usher dropping these roller skates and then Usher selling out these concerts. I promise you, like there's literally enough internet bandwidth where we can discuss Usher and Beyonce at the same time. We're doing it. Usher's tour is still selling out. It's not like people were like, oh, well, I can only listen to Usher or Beyonce. No, you can listen to both. And people are. We do this weird thing, especially as black people. Like we think there's only room for one. It's a, it's a very scarcity mindset, but there's room for many. Beyonce is the bigger star. It just is what it is. But I don't see that as harmful to Usher. I have two more things on my list. One of them I'm just going to save for next week. Russell Simmons has two new lawsuits against him. One of them is for defamation. Another one is a woman, Jane Doe, accusing him of sexual assault in great detail. If you remember, a couple months ago, Russell Simmons did an interview from Bali. And one of the things that he said in the interview, he was like, there's been lots of people that say these things for, for various reasons. He goes on to say he had sex with thousands of women and only six only had accused him of of sexual assault and he insinuated that these women the women that had accused him were doing it either for clout or they were confused about what happened because they had consensual sex with him but maybe he wasn't the nicest to them afterward and so they were seeking revenge for him not being a nice guy and handling them in a gentlemanly fashion one of the women that he said that about about not being properly handled has sued him for defamation That's Drew Dixon. She's been very vocal for years about being assaulted by Russell Simmons and also L.A. Reid. But she's done articles in the New York Times, the documentary that's essentially surviving Russell Simmons. That's not the name of it, but that's essentially what the doc is. I think it aired on HBO. She is the face of that documentary. But now she's suing Russell for defamation. And then this other woman, she was, I think she ran the video team at Def Jam. She's accusing Russell of outright rape, and then also sexual harassment, essentially, on the job. I read the first part of the lawsuit. I haven't gone all the way through it, so I want to save it until next week. The other one, I'm going to save this one too, because she still has another day of testimony. Fonnie Willis, she's the DA for Fulton County. She's the one who, I think she brought RICO charges on Trump for trying to steal the 2020 election. One of the people who are caught up in this mess from Trump's side, their attorney discovered a consensual sexual relationship between Fonnie Willis and a guy who works under her, Black dude. They are alleging, it's so complicated, that there's a conflict of interest with Fonnie Willis having this relationship with her subordinate who is the lead prosecutor on the Trump case. And he gets paid like a ton of money. They're alleging that they were in a relationship prior to her hiring him to work on the case. 
and that she hired him so he could make a bunch of money and then lavish her with expensive gifts and vacations. They're trying to get her off the case. And the idea is if she is no longer leading the charge against Trump, then the case against Trump will likely go away. The person who replaces her may not want to proceed. I think that's what they're banking on. But Trump and the people who are defending themselves alongside him, their legal team has been going after Fani and his boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. There was some debate about whether she was going to take the stand specifically. So yesterday she did. I guess we now are talking about it. I was out and about with not great Wi-Fi all day yesterday. Even if I was sitting at the house, I probably wouldn't have watched it. She was on the stand for three hours. I've been seeing the clips of her interview all over social media. She has a similar disposition to me when I'm mad, so I relate to her in that way. She also seems to have a similar outlook on relationships, at least based on the things that she said on the stand yesterday. There were a couple things that she said. One of them was, I don't know what the question was only because I only see the responses, but she was explaining something about her relationship. She was like, a man is a companion. A man is not a plan, which I was like, yes. They asked her something about their dates. And so she was like, he's the one that drinks wine. I'm Grey Goose. They asked her something about her demeanor. She said, he's a Southern gentleman. I'm not. She said that the primary reason that they broke up was essentially he didn't see her as an equal. He said something to her at one point about the only thing that a woman can do for me is make a sandwich. She'd given him hell. She got a mouth on her. You're not going to just run over her. You're not going to just talk to her crazy. She's a grown ass woman. She makes good money, her own good money. She had a daddy who raised her well. She so were talking about this man paying for all of these things in her life. And so she was like, no, I reimbursed him. And they were like, well, where are the receipts? And she said, I reimbursed him with cash. And they were like, well, why are you keeping so much cash? And she says, well, I keep cash in the house. Like, that's how my daddy, you know, brought me up. Like, you always have to have cash. So she was like, he would pay for whatever. And she was like, I would give him cash as roughly half to pay him back for the things that he paid for. We all equals in this situation. Y'all not gonna like this tape. I like her. I think just from what I've seen in these clips, her having the huevos to go after Trump, her ascending to the position that she is professionally, I think she's a bad chick. I kind of have a lady crush on her a little bit. But it's not lost on me that all of this defending and justifying and explaining and these quotables that are all over my timeline are because she fucked up. Not legally. Her and this, her relationship with this guy, there's nothing illegal about it. Some people have called, talked about the morals and ethics of it. It seems he was separated at the time. If a divorce was filed for and they weren't living in the same house, I don't personally have an issue with that. He and his now ex-wife can figure that out amongst themselves. But like, girl Fani, she fucked up 101. You don't, you're not supposed to get your meat when you get your bread. You, you know this. You know this. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm not holding you to the fire. She's not the first person to do it. She won't be the last. But like the reason that we're in this situation, either by Trump's people's timeline, you and this dude was in something and then you hired him after y'all was already in something, which looks really bad. Her version is professionally they knew each other and then she hired him. And then because they was around each other all the time, something sparked and it went from there. Neither one really looks great, but her version looks a little better. But like, 
you're in this situation over some dick. And even by your account, the dick might have been good, but the person attached to it, so-so. You're talking about you had these brutal arguments trying to convince the man that you're his equal. You in this situation over essentially a fuck nigga. A well-paid fuck nigga. Handsome fuck nigga. What a fuck nigga nonetheless. Everyone up and down my timeline, like, oh my God, funny, 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 funny. People in my DMs, like, oh my God, are you watching this? You know I don't live in America. You know I'm not sitting around watching CNN all day. Because if you was over here, you wouldn't be doing it either. I catch up on my news at the end of the day. At the end of my day. Currently six hours ahead of the East Coast. I want her to wiggle her way out of this situation by nearly all impartial legal accounts. Like Trump's people are accusing her of doing something. But like, but all like the legal talking heads are like the Trump people are just trying to delay his actual trial because Fonny's not on trial, but trying to delay it as much as possible. Sis seems very sharp. Sis is very sharp. Dick and, and, and Kitty are the downfall of a lot of otherwise talented people. I mean, see Cuomo Brothers, for example. She ain't the first and she ain't the last that's going to make bad decisions over sex. But I'm just like, I just don't see this as the profound win that people are acting like it is. Like, it's, it's a mess. And I see a black woman on a stand, like, fighting for her job. I read that there's a re-election in Georgia this year, fighting for her reputation, fighting for her career, fighting for her dignity. It just, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't thrill me. It makes me feel really, really, really bad for her because it's a fucked up situation. She's putting up a good fight, but I'm mad she got a fight in the first place. If your version of events are to believed, right? It's not illegal. It's not a crime. It's not a violation of anything that's going on in your office. But you knew good and hell well you shouldn't have been fucking that man once he started working for you. You knew. And now they found out about it. And you got to defend yourself in a courtroom. And the shit's being broadcasted all over the TV and then all over the internet. I wanted to win. I wanted to stay on the case because I think she's smart and I think she's good. I think she knows what the fuck she's doing. And I think she probably has the best chance of getting at Trump out of all the people. And there are so many that are prosecuting him right now. But I just don't see her responses or her demeanor or her even quotables that are all up and down my timeline. I just don't see it as a win. I want it to be over. I want it to go away. And I want her to be back at work. All right, that's the pod. We'll be back on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. I should be back in Ghana Tuesday. I should be. I'm definitely getting on a plane tomorrow back to Ghana. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, 
indoor or outdoor. You can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings. But I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.